You're listening to Rise and Shine, broad chats with real women in small business. We explore the wisdom, stumbles, and wins of females who are carving out their own path in the free fall of business ownership. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. Brand voice and values are major elements of your brand, but they're kind of intangible and hard to wrap your head around, especially if brand and writing isn't your thing. In this app, I'm chatting with Cherie Donnellan, copywriter and marketing coach to unpack it all. Good morning. Hi, Rach. Hi, Cherie. You're a copywriter, marketing coach, survivor of Victoria's brutal COVID lockdowns. It was a while ago, but we will not, we'll, we'll not forget the pain of those lockdowns, will we? Scarred um, forever. <laughs> yes. So thank you for coming on the pod. It's so good to hear you and see your face. Yeah, same to you, Rach. Uh, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Cool. Um, so you've recently come back to work after having your second baby. What's riding that wave been like? Um, well, I suppose uh, sleep is a bit of an interesting uh, concept at the moment. Uh, there doesn't, doesn't seem to be much of that happening. Oh, <laughs> um, so how many times a night are you getting up? Oh, uh, kind of depends on the night. Sometimes it's, you know, once or twice. Sometimes it's, you know, every hour. <laughs> oh, I remember those days. Painful. Yes, yes. And uh, we've also got a toddler who likes to push his bedtime as well. So last night uh, he didn't think that we could see him, but uh, he came out about 45 minutes after we put him down to bed and was hiding behind we've got like sheer curtains in our living room and he was hiding behind the sheer curtains thinking that we had no idea that he was there painful because like in my experience putting children to bed takes so much energy and it's oh not just my the time God. it's like you're at your end like you just want to do your own thing or eat your own dinner in peace or clean up the kitchen or whatever it is that you've got to do after which might well be work which is sometimes easier in my case and I just find it extraordinarily difficult getting children to bed it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the things that nobody tells you about when you become a parent of, you know, just how often you're going to be like, okay. And then I get a whole seven minutes to myself and then I have to go to bed because I've got to do all of this again tomorrow. <laughs> yes. And then the baby will wake. Oh man. Yep. Do you ever work at night? Sometimes. Um, <clears throat> it sort of depends. I'm a bit all over the place. I often come up with um, big and interesting ideas very randomly. So if it's that's probably the time when my brain, um, you know, goes into creative mode without me even realising. Um, and I'll have a random thought about, you know, a client project or something and I'll be like, oh, got to jot that down. So if I'm inspired at that point, I might, um, you know, work for a little bit, but I try not to because, you know, I do actually have to have some switch off time. Although I'm not sure you have switch off time when um, you run your own business. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you ever fully, fully switch off, even if you're on holidays or it's a weekend, because as you said, ideas just come at you or like as copywriters, you know, you read something and then you're like, oh, that is an excellent word. I'm going to log that because I need to remember it for something else or it inspires an idea or something. Like I have a whole file of, um, I guess, little grabs from um, the newspaper just with ads or pieces that I know will be helpful when I'm writing product descriptions because I do that quite a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so it's you never fully turn off, I know. I fully see that. Um, <laughs> I, I think in, like, 
because since you've come back to work, I know that this is like the ultimate modern Australian twist. Your husband stepped back from his work to be the stay-at-home parent. So what's he that did. like parent work life flow like for you now? Um, you know, it's been a really interesting transition. This is probably the, he's still working part-time. Um, <sighs> so he's a police officer, but um, yeah, he's still working part-time, but uh, the days that I'm working, he is at home with the kids. Um, and it's been, yeah, a bit more of a transition, I think, than we thought it would be because obviously I'm used to certain routines and the kids are used to certain routines with me. Um, and of course he does things differently. Um, and I work from home. So I kind of, you know, see things happening throughout the day. Uh, and I think I need to learn to step back a little bit more. Um, and yeah, just watch him do his thing because he comes about, uh, you know, he does things differently to me and that's okay. But yes, it's definitely a learning curve uh, for the both of us. Yes. Do you find yourself being like pulled into the activity or the situation when he's like on parent duty and you get pulled away from work? Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's a bit of like, that's what I'm used to. I'm used to kind of just being there and being on call. And so I'm having to pull myself back and be like, nope, got to walk out. Just going to fill out my water bowl and come back to my office. Um, but yes, it has been a, a much harder transition than I thought it would be. And it is very hard to be like, don't get involved right now, you know, but then there are some nice moments. And because I run my own business, you know, unless I've got a meeting that I absolutely have to get back to, um, I do have that flexibility to say, okay, I'm going to enjoy this moment because, you know, your kids are only small for a short amount of time. And, and sometimes those, you know, small little moments throughout the day are the cutest and, and most precious. So yeah, that's exactly true. It's good to have balance and perspective. Yeah, I've often thought like working from home in my situation, would it be better for me to like go to a co-working space or even a cafe? But I don't know, what do you think? Would that help you in your situation? Sometimes, yes, absolutely. Um, because, yeah, it is easy to get distracted with kids being at home and particularly if you hear, you know, one of them is upset about something, um, you know, it's you've got that maternal urge to just jump in and help. Uh, so, yes, yeah, sometimes it probably would be easier being away from home and having a separate space. Um, but, yes, I've worked in co-working spaces before and worked at cafes, and I think there are certain things that you can do at you know a cafe or a co-working space and others that you just can't um a co-working space I think sometimes can be really helpful for small business owners you know because isolation is a really big um mm -hmm. thing you know really big concern um and you know just being able to sort of meet different business owners from different backgrounds can be really helpful it can generate leads for you as well yeah that's so true and so I'm curious to know like how is your brand evolved along the way because where we are right now isn't always where we started out so what's your journey been like yeah so uh, I come from a bit of a whirlwind background within marketing um, I've essentially I started out as a, a journalist um, over a decade ago um, and I had no idea about the world of marketing other than things just kind of clicked for me um, and I was working for a local newspaper that was also uh, about to launch a magazine. And, you know, it was my dream as a young journalist to uh, be a magazine writer or a magazine editor. Uh, and I put my hand up and said, I want to um, take on the editorial side of this. So I want to be the editorial assistant, but kind of um, 
almost more like an assistant um, editor. And I had the freedom to do that. And so I was putting together marketing plans and setting up social media accounts um, for the newspaper and for the magazine and running with it, just, you know, working on partnerships with different businesses and organising fashion shoots and all sorts. And, yeah, and so that was where I got exposed to um, understanding, I suppose, the very early um, idea of marketing. And then it got to a point where I was frustrated with having to write news stories. <laughs> it didn't feel enough. Um, you know, it felt very formulaic. Um, it felt a little bit stale to me and I was really loving the creative side of working for um, the magazine and, um, you know, yeah, running social media accounts and stuff. So I that's kind of set, up, set off a really long chain of different jobs um, in the marketing industry. So I've worked uh, in specialisations for social media. I've worked in specialisations for content strategy and copywriting. Um, I've worked in media relations still for some not-for-profits as well um, and just built my strategic skills along the way. So I found that strategy was what I really loved doing and it was always very much tied back to writing because writing is the, yeah, writing is the core of what I do. It's kind of um, my history that I've always taken with me. Um, so, yeah, that has been an interesting journey. And then coming in to work for myself in my own business, I've kind of dipped in and out of for the last few years and I've had children in between and obviously dealt with a pandemic. Um, and, yeah, it's um, been a long-winded journey over, a, yeah, a bit over a decade but quite, um, quite interesting. I think I've learned a lot. <laughs> yes, wow, you have so many, like, different skills you've gathered and they're all coming together for where you are now. And you've also done a bit of a shift in your business direction a few months ago. What's the thinking behind that? Yeah, so I think when I first came into my business, I wasn't really quite sure how I was going to position myself and, um, you know, what I was going to offer clients. And I went with what I thought was easy and, and comfortable. And that was just, you know, straight up copywriting for, um, you know, anything for websites or, um, you know, helping people with social media and blogs and that kind of stuff. But it didn't feel quite right for me. And I think that was because I didn't bring my strategic skills to the front of my business. Um, and I realised that that was if I was ever getting frustrated in a project, um, it was because I thought that clients were missing the strategic opportunities within their business. And I realised that I was missing the strategic opportunity in my business by not talking um, about strategy and bringing strategy to, um, yeah, the front of my business. So that's where it is now. I always start by talking to clients about their strategy and um, that comes through their brand voice um, and through their marketing strategy as well. And I find that when I can work from that position with clients, um, you know, we deliver much stronger work together. Yes, that makes sense because you can't just kind of go, yeah, we'll do this because it feels right. There does have to be solid strategic thinking behind it and big picture vision as well, which is, I guess, what you bring. So we are here to talk about brand voice in particular, even though it's so really cool to hear about your journey and some of the back-end stuff. Um, yep. So I'm going to hand over the mic to you to talk to us about brand voice and bringing your values into that voice. So I guess 
it's probably helpful to start off with what is brand voice? Because I really want um, people listening this, to this to understand how to make brand voice tangible and just what the heck it is. I mean, it's something that as a copywriter, I know and I understand kind of inherently, but even I struggle to articulate what it is and what it looks like. So yes, over to you. Yeah, so your brand voice is just your brand's personality. It's the unique way that your business presents to the world. So um, when you have a strong brand voice, um, you create a lasting impression on your customers or your potential customers. You attract people who value the same or similar things to you and your business. Um, And you really help your um, customers to be clear on what you do who you serve and how you serve them. So your brand voice is not really just about being visible, but it's about being memorable. Um, And it's that, you know, it's not necessarily just about sharing your expertise in a space, but um, helping you to become a favourite of somebody. You know, you want to be um, somebody's go-to. You want your cut you know, uh, to be the go-to of your customers. And you can do that by expressing your personality through your brand voice. Is it your own personality or your business's personality? Because there's such a crossover there. And some people like them to be separate. Some people are like, no, I'm my brand. Some people are like, oh, bit of this, bit of that. What do you think? It really depends. Um, If you are going to stay a sole trader, then your brand voice, yeah, is you. If you're going to build your business um, in a way that you have a team behind you, then you do actually have to have a brand voice that represents your team um, and that your business's values are aligned from, you know, everyone who is in your business. So you'll often see, I think not-for-profits can do this initial work quite well, um, they come from a position of, you know, what are our values in our business? What do we want everyone in the business to represent um, every day in everything that we do? And you define a set of values from which your business will run and you would, you make sure that everybody in your team lives out those values and represents those values in the way that you work with people every day. And you can do that in your business even as a sole trader. Um, and showing your values can be a really unique way that people can connect with you because they're connecting with you on a human value. If you're talking to people about, um, you know, yeah, your values and their values and you see that it's aligned, you know you're going to work well together because you've both got the same goals, you're both attracted by the same um, personality traits that make you feel supported and encouraged and uplifted you know, to present your best self to the world. And how can we, I guess, how can people choose their values? What do you think? Any advice there? Because I guess in my experience, it's just like, well, this is what I value, so that's what my business values. But some people might find it tricky to, I guess, extract those and then articulate them. I think the easiest way is to have a conversation with anybody about it. And what comes out is... Um, when you sound most passionate about what you're talking about, you realise that that's where your values come from. So for me, 
Um, I really love thinking outside the box and challenging ideas. So a big value in my business is innovation. And I love working with innovative businesses who want to push the envelope as well, who, um, you know, recognise that change can be a really good thing. It can be an uncomfortable process, but at the end of it, you get this fantastic result and you're doing new things and you feel really proud um, of coming up with these new ideas and pursuing these new ideas, you know, and innovation is something I valued for a long time. Um, but yes, I did have to have a conversation with somebody to say, that's absolutely a value within my business. You know, another one is as a communicator, um, connection obviously is a big part of my business. I really want to make sure that I'm connecting with people on a one-to-one level that they understand me and I understand them. So I will always be transparent with them about, you know, what's happening in my life at the time um, because I'm a sole trader. And so people are um, looking to understand me and what I'm doing within my day. So if I think that I haven't delivered something to a standard that I wanted to deliver. I'll say to my customer, okay, you know, I want you to believe in this work and I want to believe in this work. And I don't think that it's there yet. So, you know, I want to take this away and spend some extra time on it. And being really honest and transparent in that way is, is a way that I can build an authentic connection with my clients. And they know, okay, I'm happy to, you know, push back any deadlines or whatever because you know, you're talking to me in a really honest and transparent way and I value that too. Yes, that's a great example of how I think your values can inform or, like, dictate your actions as well. That's cool. What about, I guess some people might be thinking, why does brand voice matter? Like, is it just to stand out or is there more to it? Well, yeah, of course there's more to it. Um, But standing out is the first reason, you know, that you need a brand voice because obviously there's lots of copywriters in the world. You know, there are lots of people who do the thing that you do. And so if you don't have a strong brand voice or if you don't know what you stand for, um, it can actually affect um, people's ability to see you as being a leader in your space. Okay, and that's what people want. They want to feel that confidence that they've come to the right person, someone who knows what they're talking about and who can deliver on what they say they're going to deliver. And so you st- if you can stand out through your personality, um, through your brand voice, you can instill a sense of confidence in people um, and you can show your authority in that space. And the ways that you can do that is... Um, you know, by the things that I like to teach my clients about brand voice. So I teach them about showing their authority and making sure that they know what they stand for and and, um, being clear and consistent in sharing their authority, Um, expressing their values. So that's, yeah, showing what they stand for, showing what they won't stand for is really important as well. Um, And sharing their stories. And storytelling is a really interesting thing in business. It is something that I learned from back in my journalism days. There you go, full circle there. That the more you can share stories with um, people, and it can be uh, simple stories. It doesn't have to be, you know, once upon a time I went to a park and this thing (laughs) happened, which some people do get stuck in like, oh, I'm not a storyteller. I don't know how to tell stories. But it's about um, moments of vulnerability, moments of honesty. Um, moments of yeah, confidence, um, moments of encouragement and where you have experienced some sense of transformation. 
um, and or where you can share it on behalf of your clients, the transformation that you supported your clients to have. And if you can share those stories and tie it in with your values and, and your authority, you're building brand voice um, in a really authentic way. Can you give me an example of brand storytelling? Because that is another concept that we throw around a lot, people in the marketing, copywriting, designing space, but I think it's not fully understood. A big brand that I think is doing really well with brand storytelling and they've been um, changing over the last few years um, is Bonds. So um, what you might have noticed from Bonds over the last few years is that they have change from being purely about a fashion brand to uplifting the experience of comfy and comfort. Um, but they've done that in a way that is about um, inclusivity, that is about body confidence, that is about celebrating, you know, all kinds of bodies in all kinds of ways. And they're telling stories throughout every single thing that they do. Um, so you'll see that in the experience where they're talking about comfy and comfort, um, they're showing people how to love themselves. They're showing a diversity of bodies in, you know, all of their visual storytelling. And then they've got copy to back that up um, by, you know, being really loud and proud. You know, they've got newer products like their um, bloody comfy period undies. And so you feel that sense of, you know, unique Australian voice. There's, there's a playfulness there, you know, bloody comfy um, is very Australian. It's very playful, but it also lends itself so well to the product, right? Because they're talking about period undies. And so it's those kinds of things where you're recognizing that brands can tell stories in really, really simple ways um, and show themselves as standing out from the crowd. You know, they, um, have always been a, a big kind of brand in the Australian landscape, but I think they were getting to a point where they were getting a bit lost and usurped by newer players in the market. And so their way of standing up was to be um, become much stronger in their brand voice and to really break out in, in that diversity and inclusion space that other brands just weren't doing. Yeah, I have noticed that too. And it's like, it also kind of, I think, telling those stories just cultivates familiar familiarity and affection for and with the brand so when you see an email from them bounce into your inbox you see the subject line you're like oh this is going to be fun I'll open it even though I'm not in the market for undies or anything I just want to ride with them <laughs> so that's, that's um, it yeah that's it really and so yeah that's 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 a great example right so you're seeing just a little tiny snippet of um, copy you know it's yeah the headline on an email but the way that it's told in a personable way or the way that it's written in a personable way is enough for you to say I want to get on board I want to be part of that experience I want to browse and that's how bonds is keeping people in their atmosphere it doesn't necessarily matter if every single time they open an email they're not making a purchase it's the point that customers want to stick with that brand and it's building that sense of of loyalty over time and yeah familiarity um and knowing that um they're going to get an experience out of it one that you know is emotional because we you know all live on emotion whether we say that we do or not um, yeah, business, I think, has never been more emotional than it is now. I don't know if yes. you'd agree with that, Rach. Yeah, I totally would. And I think with bonds, it's like like people always think about, oh, the conversion, the money, the, the, the bottom line. But I think brand voice is underestimated in its power and its importance because just like we've talked about, 
it's that experience and that sense of fun and joining along for the ride that gives you like almost I guess loyalty because I know that when I need to buy it I'll buy it from them no question because I like everything they've said and done before and that, that's right that does the conversion for you essentially so that's, that's the power of brand voice right <laughs> that's right so um I actually did a workshop with um, some business owners recently and I was looking for some stats that that really um, brought home why brand voice is important and one that really stuck with me um, it was a survey from Sprout Social they're like a um, social media management and listening tool Um, and they found that when customers can connect with a brand and you connect with a brand through their brand voice um, that 38 percent of people would still shop with that brand after having a bad experience with them. So if that's not a reason to say, you know, you need a brand voice, I don't know what is because, yeah, if you can say I have stuffed up, I have done something seriously wrong, but I've built enough trust with you, my brand has built enough trust with you as a customer that you're going to come back and shop with me again, that's why brand voice is important. Yes, it's about consistency as well, isn't it? You know, it's so funny. I have like many clients come to me almost, I don't know, every second or third and they're like, oh, can you make me sound quirky or funny, like go-to or like fresh body? <laughs> and yep. I kind of like internally roll my eyes. But um, Doesn't every copywriter. <laughs> I think what they like about them is that it's that whole experience and the feelings and so on. But I always remind them, well, yeah, we can do something similar and use them as a reference, but you don't need to have a brand voice that's out there. It can be who you are. It doesn't have to be big or crazy or look at me. It just has to be consistent and authentic. Is that right? Would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Um, I always laugh because I think every time I talk to another copywriter, they always say that, clients come to them and immediately say make me sound like go to or make me sound like frank body um and or even like yeah. bombs because they are so playful yeah um and you're absolutely right that it's not necessarily about um yeah being loud or being cheeky or being fun and i actually um spend a little bit of time convincing clients often that that's not it's the opposite of what they want um, because if it doesn't come across as authentic to customers, you know, it's, go- it's going to fall down eventually when, you know, you get an email um, from that same business and you see their website and they're like, hey, we're cool cats, you know, whatever, and they're being silly and whatever, and then you get an email from them and it's like, good day, sir. I wanted <laughs> to talk to you about the alignment of the strategic initiatives with that, you know, and you're like, oh my God, what is this? And so there's no consistency of experience there, right? Um, so you're actually doing a complete disservice to your business. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's lots of different ways that you can be, um, you know, personable in ways that don't need to be loud or proud. Um, but can be really powerful. And there's this um, small business owner, uh, Melissa Brown, she's a financial advisor. Um, And she tells a lot of stories about finance um, by using chocolate frogs, specifically Hague's chocolate frogs, because she loves, she's, you know, chocoholic, but she loves 
pays. And so she will um, yeah, teach people about their finances through these little storytelling pieces with chocolate frogs. That's really simple. It's quite understated. It, yes, it may, you know, I suppose in the concept it does have a quirkiness, but it's not a loud quirkiness. Um, it's still effective, though, and people know her now. Um, for her chocolate frogs um, and you know, teaching about finance. So, you know, there are interesting ways that you can do it that seem authentic to you and that you can build a consistent experience on um, so that people aren't saying, you know, you sound like one brand on your social media and a completely different brand everywhere else. Um, there's one who does that a big business who does that and that's um, the Australian Bureau of Statistics and I find it so jarring because I don't know if you've ever have had a look at their social media channels but their social media person um, is obviously very fun quirky probably at least a Gen Wire <laughs> and and so they'll make all these references about you know like Harry Potter um, and uh you know, just like sort of funny little quirky things like these are how many dogs are in here and they'll use sort of um, little recent quippy language. But then you have a look at, at ABS's website and it's boring, right? It's fairly factual. It's just about statistics. And so it works from a community engagement perspective, but does it work in the bigger scheme of things um, when people are thinking about the Australian Bureau of Statistics? Do they think that their brand voice is what they are on social media? No. So that's where it can be a really interesting one of do you do it for the laughs and because social media is meant to be about, you know, being fun and quirky or do you consider that if the brand voice isn't the same everywhere that it could actually be hurting your business or just making, you know, creating a bit of a jarring experience. Hmm. Can you think of some small businesses in particular that have a really like, I guess, best practice um, brand voice experience they offer? We've talked about some bigger brands like Bonds. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if Lisa Brown, if it hangs is in there. <laughs> um, and yeah. yes, what do you think? Yeah, um, one who I think does it really well is Confetti Rebels. Um, and, you know, she runs a T-shirt business. Um, it's, is it Amy? It's Amy, isn't it? Um, she runs a T-shirt business and... You know, but you have a look at all of her channels and everything is about being um, fun and bright and bubbly and loving the skin that you're in. And you see that in, you know, her quirky um, slogan tees that she's got um, and she's dancing around in her underwear, you know, which is something that actually just feels fun and authentic for her. And it's not like, you know, here's me with my A-grade moves. It's like just here's me dancing around, feeling myself in my lounge room, doing whatever moves come to mind, you know, and it feels free. <clears throat> and you have a look at her whole customer experience and everything about her customer experience feels freeing um it feels very much about yeah that sense of inclusivity she's got a nice inclusive size range as well um and yeah you you can get a real sense that um wherever you're going to find her brand it's going to sound the same feel the same and make you as the customer feel the same you know make you feel like this is what I'm going to feel when I wear you know one of Confetti Rebels t-shirts yes I think also that consistency and that authenticity especially in the Confetti Rebels example that gives you 
like it makes you believe that it's real like it just gives it believability I guess in her and in the product because it, it is that consistency and that relatability yeah absolutely um okay cool I want to ask you some kind of rapid fire questions before we wrap up uh, mm, just to get okay. thoughts. so please don't think too much <laughs> um if you could go back to the Cherie that's just starting out in business what would you say to her have courage. courage. I think I'm still t- I'm, I'm still telling myself that now, I think. And I don't know, maybe you're always telling yourself have courage to get to the next level, have courage to show up, have courage to, um, yeah, just go out there, do your thing, send that email, talk to that person, show up to that networking event, you know, introduce yourself to somebody. Um, yeah, have courage. Has it pulled you, has it like held you back before in business, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Imposter syndrome, I think, is a huge thing for me and um, I would say more broadly a lot of women in business. Um, And, you know, every time you put, you know, send out a quote or something, it's that second-guessing yourself of, oh, did I quote too much or did I quote not enough or, um, you know, have I been really clear in my proposal what I'm going to achieve? Can I even achieve what I've put out in that proposal? Am I as good as I say that I am? You know, and you have these spiralling thoughts. Um, I did it recently with a new client um, in a new space and, yeah, put a, a pitch out and wasn't really sure. And I said to my husband, oh, no, they're going to come back and, you know, push me on everything. And, got no pushbacks and you know they jumped on board and signed up straight away but um it was me having a day where I was just doubting myself and that was silly so yeah yeah. I have those two and in a similar way I'll say to my husband oh I said just a quote I know they'll say no there's no chance they'll go with me it was too much or I'm not the right one or yeah the same kind of internal (laughs) thoughts that you have and then I'm like the next day or whenever they reply I'm like they said yes yeah, you do this like, little happy dance and you're yes, like, oh, they like yes. me, they really like me. <laughs> and he always says to me, you, like, anything you touch turns to gold. Of course you got it. <laughs> and I think imagine if the belief that he has in me, if I could have that belief all the time consistently without imposter syndrome, like what other things I could be doing, <laughs> what other wonderful things I could be achieving. That's it. But luckily... Yeah. I have a cheerleader by my side, like you do, and hopefully everyone listening also has. <laughs> um, next one. What's the life advice you live by? Oh, that's a big one. Life advice. Questions here. By. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Life advice that I live by. Um, I guess it's just to learn to love myself. It's probably something that I have been working on for a really, really long time and still need to work on all the time to learn to love myself and to um, feel like I know who I am. Uh, I think I'm someone who is um, deeply introspective about, uh, you know, who I am and have I done the right thing and have I done right by people? Um, You know, do I come across as authentically you know to to people am I supportive of people um and you know can I love who I am every day uh I think it's so easy to question yourself um particularly as a mom 
Um, you know, like, have I hugged my kids enough today? Have I done everything that they needed? You know, am I growing these beautiful, well-rounded humans? Um, and you can only really feel good about that when you love yourself. So, yeah, got to love myself. <laughs> that is exactly right. And having children, especially when they're so little, like ours are, it really does make you question who you are, why you do things, what you really want, because you've got these precious, moldable, like malleable people, and you, you've got to be sure that you're doing it, you know, in your right, and I say right in inverted commas, your right way. So it's a lot. <laughs> it where is. I'm standing, I think you have every reason to love yourself <laughs> and you do so oh. people <laughs> and give give to the world in a wonderful way so uh hopefully I can help you today love yourself from the outside <laughs> oh thank you Rach that's really nice of you like going all what red and blushy now <laughs> <laughs> um what's an app you couldn't do life without or wouldn't do life without <laughs> the difference um Do you know what? I just don't love apps. I think I love, uh, there's not any one app that I could do life without, but I do just like really functional things. Um, I've got an app that uh, was helping me when I was breastfeeding my daughter to remind me of how long it's been um, since she well, was which last. Side <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, it has. And it's so simple. The user experience is so simple, but that, you know, apps that are really functional for me are really helpful um but I do think that we get caught up in having too many apps on our phones um or we become you know we think that we're going to do better by having an app that's going to help us but if we don't actually have um you know systems and processes that sit behind those apps I think sometimes they're a bit useless anyway and then all we've done is taken up storage on our phones so yeah, things that are simple and basic are probably um, apps that I go for, um, but I try and stay away from them. I played a game recently for the first time in like two years on my phone and um, that felt really weird. <laughs> because as a mum with little ones, it was like a new frontier of I'm just going to do something mindless and purely for me because I want to do it. <laughs> That could have been it and that might have felt strange for you it does feel strange for me if I ever do something like that <laughs> yeah I felt like a teenager or I felt like my husband he likes to play games <laughs> <laughs> why is it okay why can guys just like let themselves do things purely for pleasure like I just struggle to do like even reading a book which I've really focused on doing this year um bring back reading of actual physical books I don't do screens um in my life it's like it's got a it takes mindfulness and presence but like it seems like males can just if they want to have fun it's no guilt they'll just go and do it I don't know what it is <laughs> yeah I think it's because as women we feel a real urgency to serve and so we always want to be of service to someone or something and sometimes that comes to the detriment of ourselves so um there's an interesting um comic artist um she does uh, one called mum it's mum life comics and uh she does this series where she talks about eat that peach 
And it's that, um, you know, women will see a peach in a fruit bowl and it looks yummy and delicious, but they'll think I need to save that so that my child can eat that peach so I won't eat it. And even if the kid never eats the peach and it sits there and it rots, mum doesn't eat it because it needs to be there in case, you know, the kids need to eat it or in case somebody else needs to eat it. And, and that's just such a simple example. I've done that so many times. Like I won't, you know, my um, son loves blueberries and strawberries and I won't eat the blueberries and strawberries because I'm like, oh, he'll want to eat them as a snack when he comes home from daycare. And sometimes the strawberries go off before he's eaten them. And I'm like, should have eaten the damn strawberries. And it's just yes. because we want to be of service to everybody else. Um, you know, and yeah, that comes to the detriment of ourselves. So eat that peach. Yes, play that game. And Rachel, read your damn book. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, last one before we wrap up. What's one business decision you wish you'd made earlier? Just starting. Really? Like starting your business? Yeah, just starting. I think I have always wanted to work for myself. Um, and give myself the freedom um, to work the way that I want to work um, and not feel, I suppose, confined by the way a certain business runs things or by the way that managers run things. You know, um, sometimes people tell you to work in ways that don't feel right to you. And when you work in your own business, you can. But starting your own business and saying I'm actually going to do that like I think I've wanted to start my own business since very early on in my career and I didn't excuse me, I didn't because um I was scared I suppose I was scared about you know what would happen what would I um sound like would people want to buy from me you know where would I even find clients um and so I didn't didn't start for a really really long time um yeah if I'd started sooner I'd probably be in an even better position than where I am now but where you are is pretty damn good I think where can we go to hear more from you and to work with you oh um come to my social media channels so I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn um so it's sheriedon.copy um or of course you can go to my website sheriedonnellan.com um lovely little Irish name there double n double l um yeah. come join me come talk to me um talk to me about brand voice talk to me about your values talk to me about your stories um I just yeah love listening and um hearing about the things that make people tick awesome thanks Cherie. thanks for your time Rach legend thanks for listening to rise and shine head to your podcast player leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave business-minded women like you you can find me online at shinecopy.com.au.